So, 2 Samuel, let me give you a quick overview, then we'll pray and get into the word. So as we know, King David is the focus of, of the second half of 1 Samuel and a lot, most of 2 Samuel as well. And we know that King David has had times where he's on fire for God, being used mightily by the Lord, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's really what I want to talk to you about tonight, is David's walk with the Lord is up and down, so his life is up and down. See, the reality is, our walk with God is dependent on, on us being in intimate fellowship with God. Can I get an amen? If we're going to have a life that is fruitful, you've heard it say this, uh, works are not the root, they're the fruit. Can I get an amen? They're not the source of salvation, they're the fruit of salvation. But David, we see there's times when he is standing when nobody else will. He's walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You know, when he fought Goliath, that was kind of a picture of what Jesus did. Because everybody else was scared to death to fight this great enemy. And there was only one who could defeat it because he had the Holy Spirit living in him. And you know what? He slayed the giant. And the giant isn't our finances. And the giant isn't our marriage. The giant is sin. Can I get an amen to that? And Jesus slayed it. And we are new creations in Christ. And so David is this man who saw his latest thousands, and David is tens of thousands. And David doesn't uh, attack Saul when he could have. And so many things he does, he's doing in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But just like you and I, there's some times when you have to wonder, if, in our terminology today, you'd wonder if his brother was saved. Can I get an amen to that? Because you had the times when he went and lied to the priest, ended up costing all of their lives and saying that Saul had blessed him when he was running from Saul. And then we saw all the ultimate a few chapters back when David, who was the king, and the king would lead their people to battle. And what did David do? David was napping when he should have been uh, leading. Can I get an amen? And what does David do? He's not desperate for God. He's not walking in the center of God's will. He's not seeking the Lord with his whole heart. And what happens is, as his people are out fighting a battle, David's napping. And then David wakes up in the afternoon. If you're waking up in the afternoon and, you don't, and you're not sick, you're lazy. Can I get an amen to that? Something's wrong, okay? Unless your shift is all night or something. You know what I mean, though. And here's David. He wakes up in the late afternoon, and he looks out, and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And we know what happened, that he calls for her. He finds out about her. He finds out she's married. Uh, one, she's the granddaughter of one of his advisors, and she is married to a man who's out fighting the battle. And David takes her anyway. And the reason that David commits adultery here is he was already struggling with walking in impurity before that, because he already had multiple wives. And guys, if we do not get our lives in check, and again, it's not us working harder and doing better, it's us surrendering more, amen? It's when we die to ourselves and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord is doing the work in us and through us, and we become vessels in his hands. So as we come to chapter 12, we, in the first half, if you were here three weeks ago, I tell the message, the way the transgressor is hard. And so often this is what happens. We want grace, you know, grace for us and holiness for everyone else. We want everyone else judged on a really high standard, but we want you know, our stuff to be overlooked. And we should have the exact opposite heart. It should be holiness for us and grace for everyone else. Amen? My heart is to live a holy and set-apart life because I know that the Word of God is given by Almighty God so that we might uh, know Him better and walk in obedience to Him. But obedience, again, is fruit of salvation, not the root of salvation. Well, sadly, we saw David fall and we... When we are walking you know, in sin, when we have unconfessed sin, we want grace for ourselves, holiness for others, and then we may judge our sins more harshly, other, the sins of others more, more harshly than our own. You know, we hate pride in everyone else. Can I get an amen to that? And God hates it. Uh, I've been home from work for the last two weeks because of my surgeries and everything, and I've been studying through Isaiah. I just picked a book, and I've been studying it like I'm going to teach through the whole thing, and I'm loving it. But there's so much pride in the book of Isaiah, amen? And God hates it. And like we live in a world today where everyone wants to take the credit and point to themselves. It's, it's, it's nauseating. And it breaks the Lord's heart. But often we'll look at the, the pride of someone else and we'll condemn it, but then we're prideful ourselves. We need to be people who, again, walk in the center of God's will and walk in humility. Know this, 
your sin will surely find you out. What happened last time with David? A man by the name of Nathan showed up, and he told David a story, paraphrased, that there was a man who had one little sheep that had become part of his family, a little lamb that he took into his home. He had named it, he loved it, and another man had many sheep, and that man took that man's sheep and then killed it to feed some people coming to visit him. And David gets enraged when he hears the story, and he says that this man needs to be put to death. And then Nathan looks at him and says, David, it's you. Thou art the man. You're the one who's guilty. And see, if you, before Nathan had asked him that question, I truly believe this. If they had said, how you doing with the Lord, David? How you doing with Almighty God, David? He probably would have said, I'm doing great. My walk with the Lord's amazing right now. I'm my, uh, you know, look, I'm the king. God's blessing me. Everything's wonderful. And you know what? We need to have people that love us enough to, in, in love and in grace, but to love us enough to stab us in the front. Can I get an amen? Love us enough to say, hey, I love you, I care about you, but I see this in your life, and I invite you to do that in my life. Now, again, I'm far more concerned about my walk than I am yours. I want to tell you that right up front, but at the same time, we need to love each other, to call each other out. We then saw that your sin will have consequences uh, because God, not only did he tell David, you know, call him out through the prophet Nathan, but then he told him, uh, consequences are coming. So let's go back there and read, just read, just to catch us up, starting in verse 11, and then we're going to pick up in verse 13, and here's what, here's the outline for tonight. I tell them that true repentance, and this is a word that I think has gotten a bad rap by the seeker-sensitive churches in the world today. Can I get an amen to that? We have churches today that don't want to talk about repentance. They tell you how amazing you are and send you home having been taught a lie. Because let me clue you all in. I love you all. None of you is amazing. Can I get an amen to that? We serve an amazing God who can do amazing things through us. But he does it in spite of us, not because we're amazing, but because he is. Can I get an amen to that? So repentance is so important. And repentance is not just for the person who gets saved. Certainly that's where it begins. But even as believers, we need to live lives of repentance before Almighty God. So here are the points we're going to look at. First of all, true repentance makes no excuses for the sins we commit. we got left out there. So when you're truly repentant, you don't come to God and say, Hey God, I kind of messed up a little bit and made a little bit of a mistake over here. That's not repentance. Can I get an amen? Repentance is you're on your face, you're broken, you're, you're crying out to God for forgiveness, and you are confessing what you have done. And so the first thing we're going to see is that true repentance makes no excuses for its sin. Number two, true repentance turns our focus, our passion, and our priorities back to the Lord. See, the word repent, you've heard me say it a hundred times, so one more won't hurt you. Repent means I'm headed in this direction, and this is the wrong direction. I'm living the wrong life. I'm doing the wrong things. I'm under the control of my flesh. I'm disregarding what God, God's calling in his conviction. And repent means I recognize that I'm outside of God's will, and I turn around, and I surrender my life to the Lord. That's what the word repent means. And so even as believers, we can get off track. And back in the 70s, it's called backsliding. You backslide, man. He's backslidden, right? That means he's slidden on his back away from the Lord. Can I get an amen? He's turned back to the old way of life. But you know, when you, re when you repent again, when you rededicate your life, when you recognize that sin's in your life and you come boldly before the throne of grace and you cry out to the Lord for forgiveness, it gets your eyes back where they need to be on the Lord. Number three, true repentance worships the Lord. We're going to see tonight that David is going to repent. And then he's going to cry out to God in prayer. Uh, we'll see why. And when he doesn't get the answer he wants, he still worships. See, uh, a truly repentant heart will worship God even when God says no. Can I get an amen? amen. We'll worship God even when uh, the outcome and the circumstances aren't what I hope for. As Job said, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity. We should be praising him all the time. Can I get an amen? Fourthly, True repentance has an eternal focus. See, guys, when we've turned our life over to the Lord, we, live, we should live every day in light of eternity. You know, one of my prayers every morning, after I say yes, Lord, every morning to start my day, is, Lord, help me today to do something that will impact eternity. Can I get an amen? Speaking to someone's life, uh, use me in a way that will bring glory and honor to your name, that will impact more than just this vapor of time 
but have an impact on eternity. Fifth, true repentance is blessed by God. When we repent, God blesses that. God honors that. You know, when we ask other people for forgiveness, they may say, well, I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. That's not forgiveness. Can I get an amen? I'm going to forgive, but I'm going to keep an eye on you. That's not forgiveness. You know what the Lord does? He separates your sin as far as the east is from the west. And you know what? It's a blessing that, to know that when we've truly repented before the Lord, that God blesses us. And then finally, true repentance restores the gifting and calling God has placed upon our lives. See, David, we're going to see in tonight's text, is so, out, so far away from where he should have been. And we're going to see at the end of tonight's chapter that David's back where he should have always been. But it took him repentance to get back there. And often that's what happens in our life. If you're, you know, maybe God was using you more when, you know, when you were younger or back in the day. And, you know, you were more faithful to be serving the Lord. And you saw a great deal of fruit in your life because you had an intimate relationship with the Lord. You're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then your, your walk with the Lord grows cold. You become lukewarm. And you know what? Most, more often than not, when that happens, the fruitfulness of your life starts to go away. And the gifts and the calling God has placed upon your life, you start to be in a place where you've either been disqualified from using them, or you just become ineffective in using them. Guys, we're not going to be effective for the kingdom of God if we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? So that's why there needs to be more of him and less of us. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig into the word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. As we go to your word right now, we thank you for the fact that we're allowed, we're given the, you draw us unto repentance. And Lord, wherever we may be spiritually tonight, we know that if there's any good in us, it's you. We know that if there's any fruit, it's because of the work you've done in our lives. And Lord, we want you always to be the hero of the story because you're, you are always the hero of the story. It's always you. And so Lord, be glorified tonight in the word of God. Touch our hearts. Speak to those that are here and those that are watching on live stream, we ask these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Actually, we'll pick up on verse 13. True repentance, true repentance makes no excuses for the sins we commit. So the first thing that happens there, so he's been called out. Thou art the man, David, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, Here's what, David, here's what David could have done. David said to his soldiers, take this prophet out of here, drive, take him out into the woods and, and beat him to death. Because he was the king and they would have done it. Can I get an amen to that? And sometimes when someone lovingly comes to you, and again, there, there are people that are self-righteous that are pointing everybody's sin. That's not who I'm talking about. But somebody who loves you, who God has moved on their heart, and they come and they share with you the truth, or it's heard through a sermon, or wherever you get it, and the word of God comes to you, you can either be angry at the messenger, or you can repent. And David could, David could have easily blamed Nathan. But what does he say? I have sinned against the Lord. Amen and amen. Now, had David sinned against Uriah, what's the answer? Absolutely. Had he sinned against Bathsheba, drawing, now she has her own free will, but he, he, you know, he enacted the whole thing. So yeah, you could say sin. Has he sinned against his wives? That's so many problems with that statement right there, but he's got multiple wives. So he sinned against his, his wives. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against his own people. But notice who he recognizes that ultimately he sinned against the Lord. Amen. Guys, every time that we choose to rebel against God, we're sinning against Almighty God. And he doesn't make an excuse here, which I appreciate. David, who thought he was doing well until he was confronted, and now I have sinned against the Lord. Confession brings about forgiveness. Repentance brings about forgiveness. Now, you don't need to confess to any other man. Now, if you have sinned against your brother, the Bible tells you, go to your brother and ask for forgiveness. But the place you really need to go to for, for forgiveness is the Lord. Amen? And when we come to the Lord for forgiveness, we need to come with a broken heart. We need to be transparent, not making excuses for our sin. And the reality is that though there may be other things that have caused you to be the place that you're in, the reality is 
We, nobody sins because someone else made them do it, not even the devil. Can I get an amen to that? No excuse here. No hiding. Psalm 51, we really get David's heart, was written concerning this very moment here. And this is what David says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender, tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. See, David, when he got back with the Lord again, see, David used to sit and watch sheep and sing praise songs. David had intimate fellowship with the Lord. He's a writer of much of the Psalms. And so here's this man who loved to worship God. And now that he's been confronted in his sin, now that he recognizes how far away from the Lord he is, and he knows he needs to get right with God, now you see David's heart coming back. Once he comes to that place of repentance, he's not making any excuses. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson was wrong. Amen? Amen. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, the penalty for adultery in those days was what? You got stoned to death. They threw rocks at you until you died. That's amazing. I remember uh, J. Vernon McGee, one of his old messages, he said, if they were still stoning adulterers, there's no way you'd be able to drive through Los Angeles. There'd There'd be so many rocks everywhere, you'd never get anywhere. And the reality is, we live in a world today where adultery and fornication are taken lightly. But notice the grace of God. He deserved death, but God forgave him. And that's what grace is. Amen? Grace is being given something you don't deserve. And mercy is not being given something you do deserve. Amen? So in this verse, Nathan responds to his repentance, and God knows if you're really repentant or not. Amen? You may fool your boss, you may fool your spouse, you may fool your neighbor, but you're not going to fool God. God knows if it's real repentance or if you're just uh, saying the words you think you need to say to get out of a mess. Well, David knew, he repented knowing he could die. And then Nathan responds with grace and mercy that comes from the Lord. The Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. I love this picture. You know, it breaks my heart that I I feel like repentance, again, has become a word that people don't like. And they don't like it because they don't get it. Praise God for repentance, amen? Praise God that we can repent, amen? Praise God that when we repent, God hears us, amen? And praise God for it. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what America needs? To repent. Amen? We need to repent. You know that hatred, racism, uh, infidelity, adultery, looting, all of that will go away if if we would repent. Amen? Amen? It all goes away when we repent. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Guys, if we love God, we ought to be loving people. If we don't love people, we are not really loving God. Can I get an amen to that? And nothing grieves me more when I see someone holding up a Bible and then they're, they're uh, prejudiced against anybody. The Jewish people or somebody, you know, people of color, whoever. And they're prejudiced and they use the Bible to be prejudiced. They're not reading the same Bible we are. Can I get an amen to that? And here's David. He repents. And when he repents, God God shows him mercy. God shows him grace. But as we talked about last time, there's still going to be consequences. See, God will forgive you when you repent, but often the consequences, at least some of them, will still remain. The ultimate consequence was he could have been put to death. That consequence, God blessed him he did not face it but here's the consequence he will face look at verse 14 and 15 however because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the lord to blaspheme 
The child who is born to you shall surely die. David hears at first that his confession is going to keep him from his own death. And that God has put his sin away. But then in the very next breath, Nathan says, because your behavior has basically dishonored the Lord and his name. Because what you have done has stumbled others. Because what you have done has caused other people to question or doubt God. Because of that, the son that's, that's born, that has been born of this adultery is going to die. That's heavy consequence for our sin. You know, when we read verses like this, people struggle. And they struggle because, well, David is the sinner, and the baby is the one who dies. Doesn't that seem unfair? Yes, to some degree. Can I get an amen to that? But when you sin, your sin will impact more than just you. And when you sin, often the consequences could be greater for someone else. So an innocent child is going to die because the parents committed adultery. Guess what? That happens 4,000 times a day in the United States because most abortions take place out of an inconvenience that a baby's coming along and often in a relationship that isn't married, where they're not married, they're not honoring the Lord, and they kill the baby, the innocent one, to cover the sins of the guilty. Now, that's not what's happening here because God is actually the one that says the baby's going to die. He could have had David die and the baby take his place down the road, but that's not what happens. Guys, the way of the transgressor is hard, amen? And when we sin, God doesn't, you know, you've heard me say it often, that sin is, is not God trying to keep us from having fun. You know, his, his, the law is not God keeping us from fun, it's keeping us from harm. Sin is harmful, Amen? It's, it's contrary to the word of God. It means, you know, it's a distance between perfection and where the arrow lands. It's missing the mark. And now the innocent baby is going to die. Now there's good news at the end of this chapter, so don't nod off before we get there. I just want to encourage you that there's good news coming about this baby, praise God. Guys, when we openly sin against the God we worship on Sundays, we cause others to mock his name. And again, while God forgave David, consequences come on, his, on their child. And while you, God may forgive you, my behavior and your behavior may cause someone else to stumble. You know, and here's the reality. Fornication not only does it cause death, and all adultery causes death, it destroys families. Kids are, are raised with step-parents, and, and sometimes you're on the innocent end of that, and I get it. And maybe you were even the one who caused that to happen in the past. Here's the good news. God is faithful and just to forgive you. Can I get an amen? But those consequences may still remain, which means you're going to have to go above and beyond to make sure that kid that you get every other weekend still, what a mess that is. Amen? They're the innocent bystanders. And so we need to be thinking about how our sin not only impacts us, but the world around us. It causes God's name to be mocked if people know you're saved, and then it harms others who had nothing to do with the sin. And it says in verse 15, Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. God was quick to forgive, and in this case, he was also quick to bring judgment. He finds out the Lord has forgiven you. The Lord has heard your prayer. You're not going to die. Oh, by the way, your, your son is going to die. In the very next verse, it says that Nathan leaves and his son becomes ill. Now, in this case, I think your heart would be heavy if you knew that your behavior was causing your child to die when you're the one that deserves it. But here's the reality. I've done prison ministry, I don't know, probably 10, 11, 12 years, somewhere in there combined between Lancaster and different places where I've done prison ministry. And one of the questions I will ask the guys when I'm talking to them, I'll say, how many of you guys grew up with both your parents in your house? And sometimes I'm in a room of 100 guys and not one hand goes up. Now that's not an excuse for their behavior, but that tells me something, amen? 
It tells me that moms and dads need to be in a home raising godly kids, you know, taking them to church, teaching them the word, living for the Lord out loud in front of them. Now, you may do all that, and the kids may rebel, and then it's on them. But the reality is, as parents, you know, that's our first ministry. My first ministry is, is Lynette. My wife is my first ministry. I love you guys. I love her more. Sorry. <laughs> love you guys. Love her more. I love my kids. I love her more. It's different, right? She's first. Amen? And you know what? If, if, my, if my marriage is falling apart, I've got to take responsibility for that. If I'm not loving and serving and laying down my life for my wife, I'm being a poor example to my children. I love my kids so much, I, I can't even stand it. Amen? Think about them. I start weeping. I love them so much. And you know what? At the same time, I need to be a godly example to them. So here it is. David, you blew it. And because of what you have done, it's going to bring harm to your, to your son because of what you have done. Guys, some of us need to repent because some of our children have not had a father who led them spiritually, not had a father who prayed, or mother, father, mother, who prayed with her kids. My mom has Alzheimer's, and one of the main things I love about my mom and I miss the most is my mom was a praying mom and a worshiping mom. We'd be in the car, she'd be singing worship songs all the time. She did a Good News Bible Club for all the kids in the neighborhood. We had all these kids coming, packing into our garage, and she was leading people to the Lord. She led my wife to the Lord. My, dad, my, my, wife led, my mom led my wife to the Lord. My dad baptized her. I married her. We kept it all in the family. Amen? But the reality is that we are called, and maybe you're, you're not married yet. I want to encourage you, start your marriage off right. Put Christ at the center of it. Don't just, just invite him to the wedding. Invite him to your marriage. Can I get an amen? And so here's David. He's lost his eyes. He's, he's satisfying his, the, the lust in his flesh. And now it's his son that's going to reap the consequences of it. I will say this. We don't see David commit adultery any, any more times in the Bible. And sometimes... The reason that God brings the stiff punishment that we deserve, by the way, God never gives us more of a punishment than we deserve. Can I get an amen to that? Because that's impossible. But sometimes the punishment needs to be harsh to serve as a warning to us so we don't do it again. Can I get an amen to that? And I believe that this was a wake-up call for David, and God used this to get his attention now, how's David going to respond? So this child's going to die. So David could be mad at God. Well, you didn't kill me. Maybe you should have just killed me. And he could have been angry at God, and he could have just continued on in his behavior. So point number one, true repentance makes no excuses for the sin it commits. David, I have sinned. Because he was honest with God. Because, and By the way, if you're not honest with God, do you think he knows? <laughs> Lying to God is stupid. Can I get an amen to that? Because he knows anyway. Do we have to confess so God will know? We confess because God calls us to be transparent before him and tell him what he already knows because confession, there's something amazing about confession. It's a good thing. Point number two, true repentance turns our focus and our passion, our priorities back to the Lord. So David, just the day before, days before, is living his life, He's got multiple wives. He got married to Bathsheba. They've got a new baby. It looks like he's getting away with his sin. It seems like everything's fine. If someone had asked him how you're doing with, in your walk with God, he'd say, I'm doing great. Now he's confronted. Now he repents. And guess what happens? Watch this. David's son is going to die. God has told him through Nathan, the son is going to die. But watch what David does, verse 16 and 17. David, therefore pleaded with God for the child. And David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up uh, from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food from them. David, even though God had said that his son was going to die, David didn't get angry with God, but he cried out to God. He came before the Lord and he cried out for his mercy. He would not eat. He would not focus on anything else. He let all the other stuff be set to the side, and he got on his face, and he interceded on behalf of his son. If he had been thinking about his children when he was looking at Bathsheba, he wouldn't have to be praying to save the one that he's praying for now. Can I get an amen to that? 
See, if your eyes are on the Lord, if you're walking in intimate fellowship with the Lord, you're going to be grieved by, by sin. You're not going to want to run to it, but run from it. Joseph was being pulled by Potiphar's wife, and he left his coat behind and ran in the other direction. And if you've heard me say, you know that Potiphar's wife was a hottie or he wouldn't have had to run. Can I get an amen? Could have snatched his coat to leave me alone. He ran in the other direction. The enemy's going to tempt you with things. And David's weakness is like Samson. It's women. But now here he is recognizing this is my fault. He's not angry with God. And he's, now he's on his face and he's crying out to God. You know what? He's finally being the father he should have been. Can I get an amen? And you know what it took? Being in a place of desperation where being the king won't fix it. No amount of soldiers can come in and rescue this problem. David, you did this. David, this is consequences of your sin. David doesn't get mad at God. He gets on his face and he cries out for mercy. And I don't think it's ever wrong to come to God and cry out for mercy. Can I get an amen to that? Lord, I know I deserve this, Lord, please. And I believe that David is crying out even more because it's not for him, it's for his child. I've shared this story with you before without mentioning who it was. One of my kids had jumped the fence from rehab. He had overdosed in my kitchen uh, before that. I had to do CPR on him, and now he was missing. And I will tell you, I was on my face in my bedroom crying out to God. I'm sure the neighbors could hear it. Lord, please. Lord, please. Please, Lord. Desperate. Lord, please. Crying out to God. I didn't care what people thought about me. See, David, he's supposed to be the king. He's the guy that always looks good. He's on his face. He doesn't care. His elders come to him and try to get him to get up off the ground. He's, you know, covered dirt. He's laying face down on the ground. He's not worried about what people think. He's crying out to God. He doesn't want to interrupt his crying out to God with anything else. I'm in intimate fellowship with God right now. I'm crying out to him. Don't bother me with anything else. This is the only priority I'm thinking about right now. He's fasting because he doesn't want to stop to eat. Fasting is good because when, you, when your stomach grumbles, pray instead of going to the fridge. Can I get an amen? So here he is. He's crying out to God. He's at the end of himself. It, his, his elders have never seen him like this before. By the way, to finish that story, I've shared this before, but some of you are new. When I was praying for my son, he had jumped the fence from a rehab. And when they jump the fence from a rehab, they go out to get money and buy drugs. That's what happens. 99 times out of 100, that's where they're going. And he was in L.A., and he jumped a fence in L.A., and it was Friday night at 1 in the morning, and I got in my car, started driving. I'm going to go try to find my son amongst 11 million people. Let's see how that works out. And I was, as fervently as I was crying when I was on my face, I was praying the same way driving in my car, and I got off on the 10 freeway, have no idea why I did. I stopped at a certain off-ramp and went down to the end of the off-ramp, and there stood my son holding up a sign begging for money. Talk about a God thing. Can I get an Amen. And I was crying out from the depths of my soul, and God heard my prayer. And what a faithful God, amen? Good news is, my, that son has been sober a long time. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? So God is good, and God is faithful, but there needs to be a time where, turn the stinking TV off, turn off everything, put everything else away, and get on your face before him, and humble yourself in the sight of the Lord that he might lift you up, amen? And that's what David's doing. So his repentance has turned his focus and his passion and his priorities back to the Lord. True repentance recognizes that the consequences of, of the sin is my fault and nobody's, nobody else's. David's not blaming Bathsheba. He's not blaming anybody else. He knows it's him. He's on his face. He's crying out to God. That's a heart of true repentance. He'd already been forgiven by God, but he continues to cry out for mercy. You know, it's interesting, again, that it's an innocent person that's going to pay for the sins of the guilty. Uh, what's that a picture of? It's a picture of the cross. It's the innocent one who paid for the sins of the guilty. Can I get an amen to that? Praise God for his love and his grace. Even though God's judgment for David's sin was just, David hoped that the Lord would cure him. David prayed for seven days and seven nights. He wouldn't listen to anyone. He cried. He would not get up from the floor. And again, just days earlier, when his adultery was exposed, he was a man walking in pride. He was not desperate for God. 
He's been brought to a place of total, total desperation where, again, his focus is on the Lord. You know, it took the righteous judgment of God to get David to the place his focus should have been the whole time. Those who the Lord loves, he, he disciplines. Amen? Praise God for discipline. Praise God when we get outside of God's will, he convicts us by his Holy Spirit, and he will discipline us because he loves us. And you know why discipline is good? Because discipline draws us back to where we should have been all along. Amen? The fact that David's sin was confronted is an opportunity now to get back and get right with God. I've had it happen in my own life where God's used people to bring conviction to me. But as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times, and I've, I've shared this before, I'm walk, I never go to downtown Santa Cruz. I was pastoring the church there, and I go, I'm going to go watch this. Old, I, I, I love old movies. My favorite movie of all time is Ben-Hur. Okay? So Ben-Hur is playing in downtown Santa Cruz. And I decide on a Friday night to go down and watch Ben-Hur. I can't get anybody else to want to go watch a four and a half hour, 50-year-old movie with me. Can't figure out why. But so I decide to go to the movies. I go to downtown Santa Cruz where I never go because it's filled with a, it's a mess. And I'm walking toward the movie theater and coming toward me is a guy who's been attending our church, who I baptized in my, who I baptized, you know, in the, in the, in the ocean. And he comes walking by and he's mugging up and kissing on a woman and it's not his wife who goes to our church, he gets tense. I just stand there. He's getting closer. He looks up and he sees me. You would have thought someone shot him. And I just walked over. Hey, bro, how you doing? And then I said, you know, how's your wife? How are the kids doing? And I just started talking about his whole family. And the woman's like, I said, yeah, he's married. And what he's doing with you is sinful. And if you didn't know he was married, okay, but now you do. Now it's up to you to make the choice you want to make. And I just looked at him. I go, bro, you can either repent or continue down this road. It's up to you and the Lord, bro. I just walked away. Sunday, he was in church. And him and his wife came afterward, and that brother repented and confessed. And as far as I know, he never did that again. Guys, praise God for divine appointments. Can I get an amen? Sometimes you're about to sin. He's repented for his sin. He doesn't make any excuses. Guys, we've got to stop making excuses for our sin. Can I get an amen to that? And David cries out to the Lord. Now watch what happens. Point number three. True repentance worships the Lord. Verse 18. Then the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they for they. They said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. In the original language, it says, literally, it means, it makes a reference to the fact that he might kill himself. And if we tell him that his son is, he's so desperate for his son, if we tell him that he has died, he may actually take his own life. As the king, he also could have gone off on a rampage. So they're concerned, they don't want to tell him. The child has died. So David fasted and prayed for seven days. He had his face to the ground. He would not get up and even wash himself. He cried as, and, and cried out to the Lord as fervently as is humanly possible. And God said no. You know what this shows you? That prayer doesn't change God's mind. Can I get an amen to that? Now, prayer aligns our heart with his, not aligns his will with ours. Can I get an amen to that? Now, when we pray, God may have known, you know, that he was going to, and God may have, have rescued his son, but here's the reality. Are you going to praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? Is David just being a poser, crying out to God, saying, well, you know, he forgave me for that. If I really pray, no, David meant it. How do we know? We're going to see by how David responds when the answer is no, when the innocent child is taken. I've done funerals. I've done maybe four or five for children under the age of two. Boy, that's rough. Uh, one of the guys who helped plant this church, they had a stillborn baby. 
Baby was fine two days before the delivery, and we're looking in that, in that baby. She looks perfect, and she's dead. Boy, that's tough. Boy, that's tough. It's always tough. I, one of my prayers is, Lord, don't let, me, don't, let me die, don't let any of my children die before me. I think every parent would say amen to that. Can I get amen to that? That being said, child's been taken. David is grieving. He's been crying out to the Lord. You would think he is going to lose his mind. What can we do? How can we tell him? Now watch this, verse 19. When David saw his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said to the servants, is the child dead? And they said he's dead. So how's David going to respond? His sins have been forgiven, but a very heavy price has had to be paid because of the choices he's made. So hard to grasp, again, the death of an innocent child due to the sins of his or her parents. And again, we see it every day in this country. So David asked the question, and they let him know the child has died. Now watch how David responds. True repentance worships the Lord. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Again, shall I praise him in times of blessing and not in times of adversity? As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Amen? Guys, if you only worship God when he gives you what you want, you are not worshiping. Amen? You're just thanking the holy Santa Claus in the sky that he gave you the promotion you wanted. That's not our God. Can I get an amen to that? We can pay, pray for a promotion, absolutely. If God doesn't want you to have it, pray, Lord, I don't want you to, I don't want to have it, Lord, if it's going to take my eyes off of you. I don't want to get this dream job if I'm going to be so busy that I cease to spend as much time in your presence and I cease to be used in ministry. You know what, Lord, my life belongs to you. Do with it as you will. Now, see, most people didn't mourn until the baby died. They weren't on their face weeping before the baby died, after the baby died. In David's case, it's just the opposite. Usually the baby would die and they would rent their clothes and they would put ash, you know, you know, ashes on their heads and walk around, you know, making it very apparent that they were, and David does the opposite. His son dies, he gets up and bathes himself, he cleans himself up, and he goes down, you know, by the way, he goes down to where the Ark of the Covenant is, and he goes into the presence and cries out to the Lord and worships him. He doesn't say, hey God, I prayed and you didn't give me what I wanted, I want nothing to do with you. I've had that conversation. You know, I prayed, Pastor David, and God didn't give me what I wanted. I, you know, he didn't care about me. No, he didn't give you what you wanted because he does care about you. Can I give an amen to that? See, God knows better than we do. And when he says no, it's for a reason. Amen? And we need to praise him when he says no. Amen? By the way, when we come before God, we don't tell God anything. We come humbly before him. Amen? You know, God, you need to do this, and you need to do this. There's other so, so things to be fixed, and I'm, God, I need you to show up for this. And I hear people, there's certain denominations, they, they, they say their faith will make God do stuff. Well, by the way, what, what you have is not faith. Can I get an amen to that? And the reality is, we don't command God. We come humbly broken before God. Amen? And that's what David had done, in humility. And when God says no, he doesn't curse him. He doesn't walk away from him because he is truly repentant. He goes and worships, worships the Lord just the same. I pray that we worship him just as much the day we lost our house as if we won the lottery. Can I get an amen to that? That's true worship. Lord, I trust you no matter what. I praise you no matter what. By the way, there is a great, Netflix has a lot of garbage. Can I get an amen to that? It's called The American Gospel. It's on Netflix. I watched it last night, and then I watched it again with my son. And it's dealing with the whole Word of Faith movement and how we've gotten away from things like they talked about just what we're talking about tonight in the text tonight, that people don't want to talk about repentance. They don't want to use sin. And they just tell people how amazing they are. And you're just so amazing. God's so blessed that you would even think about him because you're so amazing. Uh, no, that is so far from the truth, Amen. Now, does God love us? What's the answer? How valuable we are to him. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you, amen? He's a loving, gracious, and merciful God. I encourage you to watch it. It's got a lot of the very, it was amazing. I'm watching it, I'm like, this is tomorrow's chapter. I'm watching the whole thing. This is such a God thing. It's so true. It's so in the money, what we're talking about with, with King David. 
So he worships the Lord. Then he went to his own house, and he requested they set food before him, and he ate. He sits down, and he eats before the Lord. True repentance has an eternal focus. Now watch what happens. The people don't understand. They're trying to understand why is he doing this. Look at verse 21. Then a servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was still alive. But when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord may be gracious to me and that the child may live? But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall, go to, I, shall not, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Underline that verse, that part of the verse. Let me read that to you again. By the way, people wonder where babies go when they die. There's several places in the word of God, and here's one of them. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Where is, where is David saying he understands the word of God, he understands the grace of God, the mercy of God? Where did that child go when that child died? Heaven. So the reality is that though the child dies and it's the innocent you know, of that particular sin, we're all sinners, that baby closed its eyes on earth and opened them up in glory. Can I get an amen to that? And we're going to see, you know, David and Bathsheba are going to have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. The fact that their behavior caused the death of a child. And they're going to remember it for the rest of their lives. That baby closed its eyes on earth and opened him up in glory. And notice that David has an eternal perspective because he says, I shall go to him. He will not come to me. Here's what he's saying. Pastor, they paraphrase. I'm going to see my son again in heaven. God chose not to raise him here, and that's my fault. It's consequences of my behavior. But I know that I'm going to see him again, and I'm going to see him in heaven. The people around him didn't understand while he, why he was eating and why he was worshiping after his child died. And boy, we can show that David has done a 180 in his relationship with the Lord because now he's worshiping God after the child died and he's pointing people to the fact that his death is not the worst thing that happened because now he's in heaven. Boy, that's a, a spiritually mature perspective to a very difficult circumstance. Can I get an amen to that? We understand when people get upset and they want to blame God. We can understand from a physical perspective, but if you read the Bible, we should never blame God for anything. Can I get an amen to that? By the way, it's never God's fault. It's ours. Amen? It's never God's fault. David's heart is now in the right place. He has a peace within him, knowing that even though the child has died, that the child is safe. No doubt he's still grieving in his heart, but he knows that he's going to see his son again. By the way, heaven becomes more and more precious every time somebody we love goes to heaven before us. Can I get an amen to that? Heaven is amazing. I can't wait. Heaven is better. Amen? My dad's in heaven. My dad's absolutely my best friend. My dad and I had a great, great relationship. And you know what? Every time I think about him, I, I miss him. But he's, he's hanging out with Jesus, guys. He's where he always longed to be. Heaven's better. There's a joy that comes in that. When we have an eternal perspective, nobody dies too soon. Amen? We all die right on time. I did the funeral for a guy who led worship in my youth group. He died at the age of 30. And everybody kept saying, he died too soon, he died too soon, he died too soon. And he was the guy that had me come to the hospital. He had a brain tumor. And even when he led worship for us, he would struggle with seizures. And I, was, I had left to move to Santa Cruz. He came back. He had me come in. And he was blessing and encouraging me the entire time. I went to comfort him. And he was comforting. He's like, hey, Pastor Dave, it's okay. I'm going to be in heaven soon. You know, in heaven, I'm not going to have any seizures. You know, in heaven, I'll be able to sing beautifully. You know, in heaven, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get there. And then he grabs me, his little frail hand. I'll never forget it. He pulls me really close to him. He says, Pastor Dave, can you do me a favor? I said, Daniel, anything you want. He said, you need to come to my service, and I want you to preach Jesus like you never have before. He said, because a bunch of those people don't know the Lord, and if one person gets saved, everything that I've gone through will be worth every single bit of it. And so we had him lead worship, because we had him on video leading worship. And we sang praise songs with him, and then I got up and shared the gospel, and seven people responded to the gospel. We know for sure if they're saved, or not, that's between them and the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? But here's the reality. Death is not, has no sting for the believer. Amen? 
We hang on to this life like grim death. Now, again, we want to be here and be faithful while we're here. we got a vapor of time to serve God. I don't want to leave one day before I'm supposed to, even though heaven's better, because I want to use this time. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Amen? So I don't want to waste that time that I have here. But I want to tell you what, no one's getting to heaven and wanting to come back to this place. Amen? And David gets that. My son's in heaven. He's not going to come to me, but I'm going to go to him. I'm going to see him again. I'm going to miss him. It's my fault. I'm grieved by my sinful behavior that brought this about. But David's gotten to a place now. Does this, is, is he a radically different guy in a few verses? Can I get an amen? In a few days. From kill that man to, that, you're the man, to oh, repenting. And God delivering. And then his son, and him falling before the, and now him pointing to the grace of God. Now watch what God does in the next couple of verses. So true repentance has an eternal focus. It trusts in the character of God. It believes in the promise of heaven. True repentance is blessed by God. If someone has truly turned away, and I'm not talking about the blessing that some would call a blessing. I'm not talking about more money necessarily. Uh, Money's not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Amen. And the reality is that watch what God does Watch the grace of God and the mercy of God, that David worships God in the midst of it. God told him no. Now watch what happens. Look at verse 24 and 25. True repentance is blessed by God. Then David comforted Bathsheba. Why is he having to comfort Bathsheba? The baby died. David has to go in and put his arm around his wife. The baby died. And by the way, Nathan told me it's because of what we did. The baby died. He comforts Bathsheba, his wife, He went into her and lay with her, and she bore a son, and they called his name, what does it say? Solomon. The baby died, and then God gave him Solomon. Solomon, the Bible will record, was the wisest man who ever lived, which blows my mind, just shows you how stupid we are, because when you look at some of the stuff the wisest man ever did, uh, he he took his dad's problem with women and magnified it. Solomon ends up with about a thousand women. Lord help, amen? But what I will say about Solomon, Solomon is used by God to rebuild the temple. Solomon is one of the ancestors, he's one of the ancestors of Jesus, amen? And God could have brought that baby through one of David's other wives, but he brought the baby through the woman who had committed adultery and whose husband David had put to death. There's only one word for that. That's called grace. Can I get an amen to that? And I think there's a lesson to be learned here from this. I want you to notice that God didn't say to David, well, David, you blew it. You need to divorce that woman and go back and get it. And often, here's what will happen. This happened not long ago. A couple I've been, I was counseling for a while. Nobody you guys would know. I was counseling this couple, and they got married, and they both had been divorced before, and they both committed adultery and then married each other and then the marriage was rough shocker but here they are you know the relationship was built on adultery and then they both thought well god's not blessing our marriage because we committed adultery so we should both we should get divorced and try to go back and fix our marriages and i'm like yeah you're too late for that you need to stay where you are and be faithful where you are they ended up getting a divorce neither one of them went back to their previous spouse and it's a mess but here's the reality guys Wherever you are, be faithful there now. Can I get an amen to that? God blesses David, committed adultery and committed murder. And then God forgave them. There were still consequences. Their baby died. Can I get an amen to that? There's consequences that took place if they'd done things the right way. But see, often marriages start the wrong way, and then people think that God can never bless them. Guys, we want to start our marriages the right way, but even if it started the wrong way, if you will repent and start serving the Lord and put God at the center of your marriage, God will bless that marriage, and God will use it mightily for his kingdom if you will let him. Can I get an amen to that? A lot of us in this room, a lot of people watching on live stream, the relationship to person you're married to, you may have been living together before you got married. You, you, who knows what your past is? You know, you may have committed adultery for that relationship to start. Whatever, whatever it is, it was wrong, it was sinful, there were consequences for it. Here's the good news. He's a God of love and grace and mercy, and if you will repent right now and honor God going forward, God will be glorified in your marriage. Can I get an Amen. My dad used to always say, don't bail out, work it out. Can I get an amen to that? 
Stay where you are. Stay and pray. Be faithful in the place that you are right now. You're right. God didn't bless your marriage in the beginning because it wasn't honoring to him. Start honoring him, and he can change that. Amen? So, so Solomon. Solomon comes to David and Bathsheba. But I think God, David and Bathsheba had been married for over a year. And now their son dies. And it wasn't until there was repentance that there was blessing in that marriage. Amen? And guys, whatever relationship you have, whatever the background was before it, where you are right now, if you want God to bless your marriage, you guys need to put Jesus Christ first in your marriage. Amen? Pray together. Get on your knees together. Honor God in your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. Amen? It's a gracious God. Let's finish up. Final point. True repentance restores the gifting and calling God has placed upon your life. Look at verse 20, uh, 25. Thank you. Oh, let's finish up here. So now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah. Jedidiah, uh, that was the name that God gave to Solomon. Jedidiah means beloved by God. So God loved Solomon, even though he came from a, a rough background. It wasn't his fault. Because of the Lord. So Solomon, again, he's going to be the king one day. He's the ancestor of the Messiah. He's the builder of the temple. And he was born in a marriage of unrepentant sinners. But after they had repented, God blessed their marriage. Now finally, again, true repentance restores the gifting and calling God has placed upon our lives. Now what has David been doing for the last year or so? He's not been where he's supposed to be. You guys remember back a few chapters? Are we way over time? No, we're okay. How about that? Um, remember a while back that David was supposed to, had gone out into battle. He had, he had sent word to the, to the uh, king of the Ammonites after his dad died. And he had sent a group of people to go and, and, and you know, mourn with him and bless him. But then one of his advisors came to the king and said, David just sent his guys here to spy this place out. And he's really going to come back and kill you. And so if you remember, he took his group of men he had sent out to represent him. He cut off all their beards in half and cut up their clothes up above the, their rear ends. So they walked out looking like they were leaving the hospital. You know how you have that. <laughs> so, they, so they walked out with their rear ends hanging out and their beards cut in half. And David met them at Jericho and they stayed there till their beards grew back because it was a shameful thing. And so David, because of what they had done, he declared war against the Ammonites. And if you remember that he sent Joab out and what happened was that the Ammonites knew they were in trouble so they called for the Syrians to come help them and they were surrounded but God blessed them and the Syrians ran and the, and the Ammonites went back into their place. So now they, this, this has been going on for years now. Because David, so David goes, when David went out and fought the Syrians, they won. When David stayed home, they didn't. So Joab's been fighting this battle for at least a year and a half, Pastor Dave guess. But over a year for sure, he's been fighting this battle because David's staying home. David's supposed to be in the battle with them. By the way, this is a picture for us spiritually. Guys, we will never have victory unless we're walking with the Lord. Amen. If you go out to fight the battle in your own strength, it's going to be a mess. We need to be humble and broken and desperate before the Lord. God's the, God's the hero. He's the one who deserves all the glory. So this battle has come full circle. Look at verse 26 through 28. Now Joab fought against Rabah, the people of Ammon, and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabah, and I have taken the city's water supply. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. So Joab, God bless this guy. Joab is his, you know, military leader. And Joab says, look, we finally got them in a place where they're done. We cut off their water supply. Guess what that means? You don't get water, you're done. Amen? It's worse than no toilet paper. Can I get an amen to that? So here's what happens. The water's been cut off. They're stuck, and Joab could just win the victory, and then he could take all the credit for himself. But Joab instead says to David, David, you need to get out here, bro. 
You need to get out here. You need to go in with, let's, let's conquer the city and let you be the king who does it so that you will be blessed. That your name will be, again, be the one that they will remember. It is interesting that uh, Hunan had said earlier on, I believe that David's, they're going to come back and, and destroy us. He listened to ungodly counsel that told him he's just in there for the wrong reason. Isn't it amazing the very thing you fear often happens when you don't obey God? Can I get an amen to that? Because now he is going to be wiped out. So what does David say? So David gathered all the people together and went to Reba. And he fought against it and took it. Then he took their king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones. And it was set on David's head. Also he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And they brought out the people who were in it, put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes, and made them cross over to the brickworks. So he did it all to the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people returned to Jerusalem. David had stepped out of the battle. It led to a sin with Bathsheba. It brought about the death of Uriah. Israel was struggling in the battle without their king. David's sin brought heavy consequences, the death of his son eventually, but David's repentance brought restoration. See, David has now repented. David has cried out before the Lord. When God said no and still took his son, David continued to praise and worship him anyway. And as David got his eyes back on the Lord, he became usable for the kingdom of God again. And now he's back in the place he should have been all along, out fighting in the battle. And now he's getting a crown put on his head because he's a man who repented and laid his life down before the Lord and became usable by God again. This should be a word of encouragement for all of us that if you've taken... A hundred steps away, a thousand steps away. It truly is only one step back to get right with God again. Amen? It's going to require repentance. Don't make excuses for your behavior. Come humbly and broken before the Lord. Cry out and ask him to forgive you, and he will be faithful and just to do just that. Guys, you do not want to have a saved soul and a wasted life. There's nothing more uh, tragic than someone who comes to know Christ and then lives a life that has no impact on eternity. Guys, and again, God doesn't need us. We need him. But I want to be used for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Amen? Not so that I will be praised, but so that he will be praised. And don't you want to be a part of what God's doing? Don't you want to be in the sense, you know, everybody that's used mightily in scripture suffers greatly. Show me one example that that's not true. They all do. And if you want to be used mightily, you may suffer greatly, but I promise you, no one who ever suffered greatly for the kingdom of God is in heaven bummed out that it's suffering the temporary so that God might be glorified in the eternal. Can I get an amen to that? That is not a name and claim and grab it and blab it or, or uh, you know, welcome to the church of what happening now message. Can I get an amen to that? That's the furthest thing from it. Come to Jesus and he'll just, he'll give you a Rolls Royce. If you just tithe to us, he'll give you 10 times as much. That's nauseating. Can I get an amen? I just heard that, that Kenneth Copeland is worth $700 million. He's almost a billionaire ripping people off in the name of Jesus. Pray for that man's salvation. Can I get an amen to that? Pastor Dave, your name and name. Well, the Bible names names. Can I get an amen to that? We need to pray for him. But guys, we need to keep our focus on Jesus. To him be all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro among the whole earth, seeking one who can show himself strong on account of, one whose heart is loyal to him. We want to be those people who say, here I am, Lord, use me. And Lord, in using me, you can do whatever you want with my life. If I need to go through illness that you might be glorified, okay. If I need to go through poverty that you might be glorified, I'm good with that. Lord, whatever you want to do, however you want to, if I need to go to prison that you might be glorified, like the Apostle Paul, so we can start a prison ministry, then bring it. Guys, truly surrendering your life to the Lord means you have no say in what direction it goes. You're just willing to follow the Lord in whatever direction he leads. Amen? I encourage you. This message I know is for some of us. Maybe we need to repent. Can I get an Amen? You love the Lord, you know the Lord, but you know that the, the passions and the priorities of your life have put God on the back shelf. And you love the Lord, and you're born again, you're going to heaven, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you know what, sometimes we can all allow ourselves, early in my Christian walk, I've got a few minutes, early in my Christian walk, look, I, I was, my heart was, I'm going to give and I'm going to serve. 
And I was going to Calvary Chapel, Antelope Valley. I was in my early 20s. I got hired making way more money than anybody I knew. I'm making all this money, and I had a goal to be the number one rep in the entire company. And I spent my entire year doing whatever I have to do to be the number one rep at the end of the year. And at the end of the year, I was the number one rep. And they brought me up to the Anaheim Convention Center and gave me a big trophy and all this nonsense. And I'm driving home from it, and I pull off the side of the road in a park and ride in Acton, and I'm crying out to God like, God, there's got to be more to my life than this. So what? So I got my name on a crystal trophy that a year later ended up in the garbage can. Can I get an amen to that? You know, the things that we pursue and realizing, okay, doing your job as unto the Lord is one way, and we should do that, but you don't put your job in front of the Lord. Amen? Because now that's an idol. Amen? Do your job as unto the Lord. Be the best in the building. Be a, be, make that your mission field. Be salt and light. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? So in closing, true repentance makes no excuses for its sin. True repentance turns our focus and our passion and our priorities back to the Lord if we're already walking with him. True repentance worships the Lord. True repentance has an eternal focus. True repentance is blessed by God. And true repentance restores the gifting and calling God has placed upon our lives. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're going through, whatever you've done that you think Maybe you thought for a decade, you're disqualified. God won't use you anymore. If you repent, it's never too late to be used for the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the example of your grace in the life of King David. Lord, how you took a man who was in rebellion, and you restored his walk with you by confronting him in his sin. Lord, we are living in open rebellion against you, may we be confronted. Lord, if we're living outside of your will, Lord, bring us to a place of brokenness and repentance. Lord, I know that every day we sin, and we need to keep short accounts with you, all of us, to come humbly before you and confess our sin and not make excuses for it. Lord, I pray for all of us. It would be holiness for us and grace for everyone else. So, Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. I pray for anybody, again, that feels like they've been put on the shelf because of choices they've made. And certainly there's some where the consequences are heavy. But we don't become unusable for your kingdom if we will repent. So, Lord, I pray for repentance. I pray for marriages where they feel like they started the wrong, off on the wrong foot. Lord, I pray that today they would put you at the center. They would invite you into their homes and have you ruling and reigning in their homes and their households, Lord, and you could be glorified in their marriages. And Lord, I pray that for all of us, that we would get the priority and passion of our lives. Lord, right now, this world doesn't need us, this world needs you. But Lord, if you choose to use us, here we are, send us, that you might be glorified, that your name would be magnified, that you would draw all men unto yourself. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.